Welcome, family. This is your sister, April Clark, the evangelist. Welcome to Live I Am Ministries, where we are currently engaged in a series on the book of Revelation. Before we get started, I am going to say a prayer, and then we're going to jump right on in because I have a lot of material for you today. Uh, so if you'll just bear with me and bow your heads, and we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit, Lord. Now, I ask that you would go before me, be my mouthpiece, Lord. Father God, I'm asking that you would touch the hearer, Lord God, I'm asking that you would bring forth knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of your word. And if there be anyone that has any trouble understanding your word, that they would ask of you, Father God, and that you would pour out of your spirit. And I'm asking this in Jesus' name. Let us apply this word to our everyday lives that we may uh, come to know you better and please you with our service. Thank you for the word of God that you have given unto me today, Lord God. Thank you for every listener that is listening. I ask that you would uh, bless them, especially, Father God, in their homes, in their lives, in their families' lives. I ask this in Jesus' name, and I give you all the praise, the glory, the magnification. As we go forward, Lord God, I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, family. Thank you so much for joining me today. And without further ado, I'm going to jump right in. So as you know, we have been studying the book of Revelation, but in studying the book of Revelation, we also have been delving into other books as well. Um, the historical books, uh, because I always say you can't learn, um, you can't learn um, revelation and you can't learn prophecy without history. And so, um, we're going to do the same today. Now, in the book of Revelations, chapter 6 is where we've been for the last four videos. Um, chapter 6 is a, a pretty in a detailed chapter because it's dealing with some things. It is the unleashing of the seven seals, and we have been dealing with the first four seals, uh, which deals with the four horses of the apocalypse and their riders. We've dealt with the four judgments that are leashed upon the empires of the world. We've dealt with, we found out their four purposes for riding against these empires. We've uh, discussed Zechariah's dream and its interpretation. We've discussed Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar's dream and 
its interpretation. And we are currently discussing Daniel's dream and its interpretation. We have also been introduced to the four great beasts, um, which are four different empires of the world um, revealed. And um, uh, those four empires that we have been introduced to is Babylon, Medo, the Medo and Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, and the Roman Empire. And that is where we are currently in this study. If you've missed any of the study, I urge you to go back and listen um, because there's a lot of information, sidebar information that kind of helps you as you are going along and getting into the word for yourself and studying to show yourself approved as a workman rightly dividing the word of God. And so I'm going to jump right in to the book of Daniel. Um, on the last video, I had planned to go through both chapters 7 and 8. However, we weren't able to get into chapter 8. So that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start by reading Daniel chapter 8. And I'm going to read this chapter out of the Amplified Version of the Bible. Remember, we go back and forth with the versions. So it begins, in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me. Daniel, after the one that appeared to me at the first. Uh, King Belshazzar was the successor of King Nebuchadnezzar. And I saw in a vision, and it seemed that I was at Shushan, the palace, or the fortress in Susa, the which is the capital of Persia, which is in the province of Elam. So this is all good information. And I saw in the vision, and I was by the river of Uli, and I lifted up my eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a single ram, which had two horns representing two kings of Medo and Persia. Uh, the first is King Darius, who is the Mede, and then King Cyrus, who is the Persian. And the two horns were high, but one, which was the Persian one, uh, King Cyrus, was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. I looked and saw the ram pushing and charging westward and northward and southward, and no beast could stand before him. Neither could anyone rescue from his rescue from his power, excuse me, but he did according to his own will and pleasure and magnified himself. 
So this Medo-Persian empire was a great empire. Um, and this empire um, stretched itself out as far as to the north, the south, and the west, western lands. As I was considering, behold, a he-goat. The he-goat represents the king of Greece. This goat came from the west across the face of the whole earth without touching the ground. And the goat had a conspicuous and remarkable horn between his eyes. This horn, if you remember in our previous videos, these horns represent power and dominion and authority. And this, um, so he had a remarkable horn between his eyes. Uh, this symbolizes uh the man known to us as Alexander the Great. And he came to the ram that had the two horns, which I had seen standing on the bank of the river and ran at him in the heat of his power. In my vision, I saw him come close to the ram. Remember, the ram is the Medo and Persian empire. And he was moved with anger against him and he, which is Alexander the Great, struck the ram and broke his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him. But the goat threw him to the ground and trampled on him. And there was no one who could rescue the ram from his power. And the he-goat magnified himself exceedingly and when he was young and strong the great horn was suddenly broken and instead of him there came up four notable horns to whom the kingdom was divided one toward each of the four winds of the heavens and this also represents his four generals who succeeded him. And out of littleness and small beginnings, one of them came forth. And we're going to talk about this additional horn that comes out of uh, one of these four horns. Um, this additional horn we would uh, recognize as Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, he was a horn whose pious presumption and pride grew exceedingly great toward the south and toward the east and toward the ornament. And the ornament is what is called the blessed land of Israel. And in my vision, this horn, talking about Antiochus Epiphanes, grew great even against the host of heaven, which is God's true people, his saints, and some of the hosts and of the stars. And the stars in this reference represents the priests. 
and it cast down to the ground and trampled on them. And this is talking about the great persecution uh, that this man did against God's people, against the uh, Jewish people. And yes, this horn magnified itself, even matching it, matching itself against the prince of the host of heaven. And so he declared himself God. He sat in the temple and declared himself God and trampled the temple of God. Um, and from him, the continual burnt offering was taken away and the place of God's sanctuary was cast down and profaned. And I'm going to uh, discuss that a little more when uh, after I read uh, this uh, information here. And the host, uh, which is the chosen people, was given to the wicked horn together with the continual burnt offering because of the transgression of God's people their abounding irreverence and ungodliness and lack of piety and righteousness and truth were cast down to the ground. And it accomplished this by divine permission and it prospered. Talking about that horn, that man who did this. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the one that spoke, For how long is the vision concerning the continual offering, the transgression that makes desolate, and the giving over of both the sanctuary and the host of the people to be trampled underfoot? And he said to him and to me, for 2,300 evenings and mornings, which is three and a half years. And this particular event that happened was a foreshadowing of the event that will happen again in this last and present day. And the sanctuary shall be cleansed and restored after this time. When I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. Then behold, there stood before me one by the name of Gabriel with the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the river Uli, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man, Daniel, to understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, O son of man, for the fulfillment of the vision belongs to events that shall occur in the time of the end. Verse 18. Now as he, Gabriel, was speaking with me, I fell stunned and in deep unconsciousness with my face to the ground. But he touched me and set me upright where I had stood. And he said, behold, I will make you know what will be in the latter time of the indignation of God upon the ungodly. For it has to do with the time of the end. 
And the ram you saw having two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia. And the shaggy and rough goat, he is the king of Greece. And the great horn between his eyes is the first king who, con who consolidated the whole ram. This is Alexander the Great family. And as for the horn which was shattered, in whose place four other others arose, four kingdoms shall arise out of his nation, but not having Alexander's power. And at the latter at the latter end of their kingdom, when the transgressors and the apostate Jews have reached the fullness of their wickedness, taxing the limits of God's mercy, a king of fierce continence and understanding dark trickery and craftiness shall stand up and his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall corrupt and destroy astonishingly and shall prosper and do his own pleasure and he shall corrupt and destroy the mighty men and the holy people and through his policy he shall cause trickery to prosper in his hand he shall magnify himself in his heart and in his mind and in their security he will corrupt and destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken, and that by no human hand. The vision of the evenings and the mornings which has been told is true, but seal up the vision, for it has to do with and belongs to the distant future. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for several days. Afterward, I rose up and did the king's business. And I wondered at the vision, but there was no one who understood it or could make it understood. Praise God for the reading of his most holy and precious word. Bless his holy name. So, family, um, so we find out that uh, that kind of took us on into the last couple of uh, empires. But we're going to just discuss it just a little bit. So um, where we left off, we had talked about the empire of Babylon and how it was overthrown by the Medes. And then we discussed the Medes, we discussed the Persians, but we did not find out how the Medes and the Persians would, um, how their power would be broken. So the end of the last two empires uh, went like this. During the reign of Ashurbanipal, uh, from 669 to 631 BC, the Assyrians defeated the Medes and killed their king, Freortes, in battle. So that's how the Medes would, um, would 
go out of power. Remember, the Medes were, had, was known by their king, Darius, Darius the Great, who defeated King Nebuchadnezzar. So the Medes were, after, after the Assyrians um, defeated them, then the Medes would be ruled by the Scythians for 28 years until Cyrus II, which is Cyrus, known as Cyrus the Great, uh, who led the Persian revolt, which ended them, which ended completely their, um, them being under the Medes because remember the Medes came up first, then the Persians came up, but the Medes were the ones on top until the Persians under Cy King Cyrus would, um, would override the Medes as well. So um, during this time, Cyrus the second or Cyrus the Great, he leads the Persian revolt, which ends, um, which causes them to be separated from the Median Empire. And that happened in 550 BC. They no longer was under, under the Median Empire. Um, so then the Medes and the Persians, uh, they actually took over the Median Empire after after the Scythians. So um, then the Medes and the Persians were of, uh, which were of the same, really they were of the same nationality. They were a mixture of Aryan, the Aryan race, the Aryan white race, and the Iranian bred people. Uh, they were mixed together. And this is who the Medes and the Persians were and currently are. Um, they are a, a mixed uh, culture. Um, and the uh, Medes and the Persians actually refer to the people that we know today as uh, the Iranians um, living in or Iraqians living in Iran and Iraq. Um, then Cyrus the Great, uh, he created a team of highly skilled warriors whom he called the Immortal, excuse me, he called the Immortals. Uh, they were like 10,000 warriors um, who could not be defeated at that time. They were the strongest uh, empire uh, for quite a while. And, um, and also King Cyrus would go on to unite all of the Iranian people under one rule, one ruler, which is himself, which was the first time that had been done. Um, also the Persian, the Medo-Persian Empire was also known as the Archimedes Empire. So, uh, they all fell under that empire. So, um, then 
Alexander III of Macedon uh, would come on the scene. And he was also known as Alexander the Great. Uh, he came on the scene in 336 BC at the age of 20. Um, he would succeed his dad, Philip II. Now, Alexander created what was called a lengthy military campaign uh, throughout Western Asia and Egypt. And so by the time he was 30 years old, he reigned over the largest empire, over one of the largest empires in history. Uh, his empire stretched all the way from Greece to Northwestern India, to the southern parts of Egypt. Uh, Alexander was considered one of the greatest military commanders of all time, as he was undefeated in battle. Uh, he was educated by a philosopher, a Grecian philosopher, by the name of Aristotle. Aristotle um, was not only a philosopher, but he also was a polymath. Uh, his writings covered a, a broad range of subjects spanning from everything from natural sciences to philosophy to linguistics um, and really uh, all of his uh, writings, they were very thought-provoking. Um, Aristotle, um, Alexander's teacher, ensured that Alexander was as sharp mentally as he would be um, as sharp on the battlefield. And so... Um, so then we had the fall of the Archimedes Empire, which was in 334 BC when Alexander invaded the Archimedes Empire and started a series of wars that lasted for 10 years. Remember, the Archimedes Empire was the Medo-Persian uh, Empire and that whole area right there in Mesopotamia. Um, so Alexander took control of all of, uh, excuse me, all of Asia Minor, um, which we talked a lot about Asia Minor uh, when we talked about the seven churches of Asia Minor. Uh, so Alexander the Great would take over that area he wound up overthrowing Darius III uh, while completely conquering the Archimedes Empire. Um, Alexander had a goal uh, to reach the end of the world and to reach the great outer sea, uh, but he died at an early age. He died in 323 BC in Babylon, where he had planned to establish his empire's capital. Um, he was only 33 when he passed away. 
Um, so he wasn't able to uh, accomplish some of the things that he had planned for, but he had military campaigns that was already written out to do, uh, to go into certain areas. Um, so Alexander then was succeeded in death by his four generals, which we read in the Bible about the four horns that came after this notable horn. Uh, so he succeeded by his four generals. He had a he had two other generals that could have uh, taken part as well, but these four generals fought over all of his conquered lands for like 40 years. They fought one another after fighting together under Alexander's army. Um, and they fought in a battle. This 40-year battle was called the Battle of Diodoci. Um, Alexander's death would mark the beginning of the Hellenistic period. This is when the Grecian people went around the known world at that time, spreading what they call Hellenism and also whitewashing uh, all of the Nubian countries and, and other nations as well. Um, and for example, an example of this would be uh, they whitewashed Egypt and parts of Africa, India, and Asia. So um, all of that was done during the Hellenistic period. Um, just to talk about his four generals a little bit, uh, the first one was Ptolemy the first Soter. Uh, he took over Egypt from 323 to 285 BC. He was also the founder of the Ptolemaic dynasty. Uh, which became the, and he became, he became the first white pharaoh to sit on Egypt's um, throne. And uh, that was between 305 and 282 BC. Um, so the Ptolemaic Empire uh, went on to have like 15 uh, different pharaohs that would come behind him over its lifespan and lasted from 323 to 30 BC. Um, it ended with the pharaoh Cleopatra as its last pharaoh, as its last, excuse me, its last Ptolemaic pharaoh. Uh, when she died in 30 BC, the Romans took over the territory after that. The next general was Seleucus I Nicator, or Nicator. Um, he won over the largest kingdom, which was Asia Minor. Um, his headquarters were in Pergamon, uh, which we know is present-day Turkey, if you were watching 
the early on videos of the seven churches of Asia Minor. Um, he is responsible for the Seleucid Empire. And we talked a lot about the Seleucid Empire during those um, early on videos of, during those early on videos of the seven churches of Asia Minor. We talked a lot about the persecutions uh, that they had upon the early church. And we talked a lot, but we, but we kind of, um, we talked somewhat about the persecutions of the Jews, but we focused mostly on the persecutions of the early church during those videos. But I did discuss the type of, excuse me, the type of uh, uh, kings that, the type of king that that this king was and those successors that came after him but um but uh he would he would go on to take over that area and then right after him came another little horn which the bible talks about and we I mentioned it, Antiochus Epiphanes. So um, his successor should have been his son, Demetrius I. But he was very young, Demetrius was. And at the time when his father, Seleucus uh, I, uh, Nicator, passed away, uh, he was being held hostage in, by the Romans at that time. So his uncle, who was Antiochus Epiphanes, usurped the throne. Under the rule of Antiochus, the Jews suffered greatly. He instituted different forms of idol worship, uh, making the Jews bow down to, to his pagan gods, the Grecian gods. Uh, he took away the daily sacrifice um, to God that the Jews did and trampled the temple of God. Um, and, so, and so the Bible talks about this. Um, it's referring to this man, Antiochus Epiphanes, when it's talking about that. He did this for uh, three and a half years. He trampled the city of Jerusalem and his and the people of the people the Jews or uh, the people of Judah and the priests and he also uh, brought a pig into the temple um, and slaughtered the pig inside the temple of God and uh, forced them to serve to bow down to the pig and to worship it. Um, he denounced the one true and living God and even proclaimed himself to be God. Um, and he attacked Jerusalem in 168 BC. And so at this time, before I move forward, I am going to quickly read um, Thessalonians uh, 
Second Thessalonians chapter two, real quick. Um, and that way, I believe it has, uh, this is all uh, together. So Second Thessalonians chapter two says, now we beseech you brethren by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition and so this happened uh in 168 bc but it will happen again and so uh that was a foreshadow of the things that are going the second time uh that it happens and so it says, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And this is talking about the Antichrist. Uh, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know that withholdeth and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time for the mystery of iniquity doth already work only he who now letteth he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming even him whose coming is after the work of satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved and for this cause god shall send them strong delusion that they shall believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness but we are bound to give thanks always to god for you brethren because brethren beloved of the lord because god hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth whereunto he calls you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our lord jesus christ therefore brethren stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught whether by word or our epistle 
Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for reading of your most holy and precious word. And I am moving kind of fast because I want to be able to get through the last of this. I think I will be able to. So, um, so we talked about um, the that was the second. Uh, that was Seleucus, the first Nicator was one of the four generals, and his successor was Antiochus Epiphanes who who did all these horrible things to the Jewish people. Um, so the uh, third general was Antigonus Monophthamus. Antigonus Monophthamus. He ruled over the Antigonid dynasty of Macedonia. He took over in 306 BC and his empire lasted until 168 BC when the Romans conquered the land. And um, that's really all I have to say about him. But the next one, the, the last general was Cassander. Cassander was king of Macedonia from 355 to 297 BC. He was the son of Antipater. Cassander had the son, excuse me, the Cassander had the son of Alexander the Great, whose name was Alexander IV, killed so that he could have more power in the land and he did not immediately take over as king as he went home first to macedonia and worked under his father upon his father's death he would then take over parts of macedonia um and so um the final empire we'll have time the final empire is the roman empire which by all tense and purposes we are still under the roman empire today there have been other empires that have come up like for instance the british empire um but however um all of that today falls really under the Roman Empire. And so the Greeks would eventually be conquered by the Romans in 146 AD uh, during the Battle of Corinth. Um, and we know about the Corinthians because we hear about, we've read about the Corinthians in Paul's travels um, in the Bible. And so the Romans uh, went on to defeat the Greeks in a 
it was it took it was in a drawn out battle because uh both the Greeks and the Romans were very strong opponents and so what they did um they they caught they drew out the battle over a long number of years somewhat the same strategy of what um pres uh, Prime Minister Putin is stating that he is going to do with uh, the battle that um, that they're currently fighting right now. Um, he stated, according to uh, what I read um, in a news article, that uh, he felt that the battle was going to be drawn out over a long period of time. Well, this was the same strategy that the Romans used to weaken the Greeks and eventually take over. Um, uh, the Romans, let's see, it was a drawn out battle that lasted for years. They won, the Romans would win under General Mumias by 27 uh would excuse me they would win under general mumias and by 27 a.d rome had fully conquered the greeks um excuse me 27 a.d they had fully conquered the greeks under the rule of augustus caesar uh, who made the entire peninsula the province of Achaia. All right, great. So um, that's really all that I had written about the Roman Empire. I didn't think I would be able to get through. Oh, I did. I did. Um, I did write down um, the lands that would be included in the Roman Empire today. Um, the Roman Empire today would include all of Europe, England, Wales, Portugal, Spain, France, Italy, Australia, Switzerland, Luxembourg, Belgium, Gibraltar, Romania, uh, Moldova, Ukraine, uh, coastal North Africa, uh, Libya, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco, Egypt, the Balkans, Albania, uh, Bulgaria, Croatia, Hungary, Iraq, Israel, Italy, Jordan, Lebanon, Libya, uh, Slovenia, Romania, Switzerland, Syria, Poland, Germany, the Netherlands, um, and possibly uh, many more. Um, really, you could say that the United States is still under the Roman Empire as well. That's evidenced by by many of our, our money and different things of that nature. So we are part of the Roman Empire as well. 
Uh, originally, the Romans were the Italians uh, back at this time. And they um, that's where they got their original um, roots from. But um, then they would take over all of these lands and mix with the people and become the great power, uh, the the probably the greatest power that the world has ever known, besides maybe Kublai Khan or um, uh, he was a great power as well. But um, so now we know the four empires that uh, these four horses and their riders are being unleashed against. Um, they're unleashing judgments on these empires for their, and why did we say they were doing it? Um, there were four reasons. They're writing for truth, humility, and righteousness, I think it was. Um, and then also they are, they are going around their, they are uh, patrolling the earth. They are reporting back to God. Um, they are coming with certain, certain uh, particular judgments. Um, they with violence, famine, plague, uh, wild beasts. Um, these four riders. Um, are looking to terrorize these nations because they've afflicted God's people and they've scattered God's people all over the world. Um, and so uh, just to remind you of what the Lord says in, I believe it was in the book of Zechariah. I think this was Zechariah where he says uh, he would be a wall of fire round about his, you know, about his people and about the city of Jerusalem. Um, and so uh, that's, that's divine protection. Um, uh, he tells his people to escape from the daughter of Babylon. And then he also, um, he says, flee from the north, um, you know, because these horses and these riders are coming to terrorize this land. And he calls his people the apple of his eye. Um, he also says, um, and this is found in the book of Zechariah, I believe in chapter six. He says, those who, uh, basically those who you served will be your servants. Um, and um, he says, the Lord inherits and chooses Jerusalem. And so this it was a very, very deep 
an in-depth study regarding these uh, four horses, these first four seals of, of the chapter six. Um, it was very in-depth. I urge you to go back and listen to the last, uh, I believe it's the last four videos in succession um, so that you can put all of this information together. And so as we go forward in chapter six of the book of Revelation, um, and let me just... I got about eight minutes, and so I might as well not waste my eight minutes. <laughs> so, chapter six of the book of Revelations, we read through verse eight. So, I'll just read verses nine through 17. It says, And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, does thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto them, women, and sorry and white robes were given unto every one of them and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled and i be and so that is the next seal that is unleashed it is a vision of these people these people of god that have been killed un unrighteously um they've been made martyrs um for the testimony that they hold their uh for the the word of god and the testimony that upon their lives and I believe that this encompasses so many people. Um, these people that were martyred all throughout history, all throughout time, I believe going back even to the first murder, which was uh, even Abel's righteous blood. Um, and definitely all through the periods of slavery and the periods of, um, you know, all these different periods of time where people have been martyred, unrighteously killed for, you know, just, just for, for nothing, for the color of their skin, for the the uh, testimony that they hold for the for the gifts that they have um and so this is what this is referring to and 
it's not done yet. There's a certain number that must be fulfilled. And um, so that means there's going to be more and more deaths that will occur. And so uh, that is uh, seal number five. And after that, we'll have two more seals. Um, and we those will go relatively quickly. I, um, I think we've gotten through the most in-depth part of that. Um, so I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. I hope that you have re- gotten something out of this study. Um, I know that uh, the study was, it was a lot of um, information regarding, you know, these different empires, but you have to have knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And so um, I believe it's important. I believe it helps to find out where we are in the period of time what has happened before, um, it will happen again, um, but on a greater scale this time, it will be happening before the whole world. And um, so we needed to know who these people are. And it'll be the same kingdoms, family, that will be involved. And so um, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you uh, take this information, go back, get into your your closet, you know, pray about it, uh, study the word for yourself, um, apply it where you can apply it, uh, utilize this time that God has given us that we may all sharpen one another Remember, iron sharpens iron. Don't be afraid to speak up, speak out, ask questions, give comments. Um, I need you all just like you need me. So let's get into this word, family. For those of you who are interested in knowing more and wanting to get um, uh, more into the Bible, Let's just, um, let's get us a team together and uh, let's serve him in this way. So um, until the next time we meet again, if it be God's will, I want you all to know I love you. Um, Please um, don't take this information lightly. Go forward and uh, find your purpose, get busy doing whatever God has put on your heart and in your mind to do. Uh, You are more than capable. If he give it to you, you can do it. So God bless you all. Um, May you be forever blessed and blessed to know him and to Get to know him and to let him show you what his will is for your life. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.